Good morning. My name is Ardellis Green. Welcome. This, welcome to Grace. We're in a seven-part series on prayer. The title of our series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray, comes from a request the disciples make, and maybe you've made as well, of Lord, teach me how to pray. You know, Jesus would be feeding the multitudes and laying hands on the sick and healing them and preaching the kingdom. And the disciples made this connect, they kind of connected the dots between his uh, inner life, his prayer life, and his public life. And that's why they asked him, Lord, please teach us to pray. So Jesus then said, well, this then is how you pray. Like if you want to pray, this is a model prayer. First off, you want to praise your Father. You want to praise your Father in heaven. Your Father already knows your needs, but He wants you to pray about your needs. Sometimes our focus is on the greatness of our problems and not on the greatness of our God. So our first part of our prayer ascends heavenward to God, our Father, and His address in heaven, noting the fact that hallowed be His name. Our Father's name is to be treasured and Our Father's name is to be honored and set apart, sanctified, hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. And then he brings the first of the petitions. Your kingdom come, that we might have a kingdom mindset, that we might be about kingdom business. Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business. So when we approach life, we want to bring the kingdom to our neighborhood. We want to bring the kingdom to our workplace. See, kingdom comes from two words, king and dominion. It means the king is reigning. He first of all reigns in our hearts, and then we bring his presence into wherever we are, his kingdom come. And then his will to be done. It's the surrender of our will to God's will. That's the third petition of God's will might be done on this earth as it is in heaven. This morning we come to the third of the petitions. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Now, you may really wonder, you know, how can we pray, give us this day our daily bread? Shouldn't they be praying that more in places like Somalia, where there's a great famine? Shouldn't they pray that a place like Haiti, right, where there's a shortage of foodstuffs? I mean, the last time I went to the grocery store, it seemed like there was food everywhere, right? Lots of bread everywhere, except raisin bread, which my wife Debbie likes. They run out of raisin bread, but all the other breads are there. First thing I want to note to you is that God wants us to ask every day about our daily needs because God wants to satisfy our daily needs. It's not wrong if you have an injury to ask God to heal us, to show us our pathway toward healing, to ask for God to give to the doctors wisdom, to give them, to give me patience and faith, right? I have a little injury right now. I have a broken bone in my body. And, you know, God is a healer, but there's parts he wants me to do also, like ice it and put heat on it and take PT. So I'm doing my part of the journey, right? And he's doing his part. So it's a combined effort here. It's not wrong if you have a car that's continually breaking down. Anybody with a car that's breaking down a lot? Pray for a mechanic that might come alongside to help, to pray for the funds to repair the vehicle, right? To save up even some money for a better vehicle. It's not wrong if we lack something 
to ask God to provide it. Now, sometimes we think we're being selfish when we pray. The reason we know it's not selfish, though God can reveal to us our motivation, is that Jesus invites us to ask, right? Listen to this amazing promise that Jesus made in John 14, 13. He said, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. God wants us to pray about everything and anything. He wants us to bring it, into his, bring it to Him, to lay it before the Father, and then He promises to do it according to His will. Listen to this one, John 16, 23. Until now you have asked for, not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy be made full. Why did Jesus then ask us or teach us to pray, give us this day our daily bread? Why not give us this week our weekly bread? Why not? That's when we go to the store, right? Once a week. Give us this week. Why not give us this year our yearly bread? God wants us to depend upon Him every day. So why does God want us to depend upon Him? If we depend upon God, as we sang about this morning, we will find that God is faithful. If we don't depend upon God, if we depend upon something else or someone else, we always will be disappointed. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We can pray about anything and everything. We can pray about doctor's appointments, right? CAT scans, MRIs. We can pray for a definitive diagnosis. We can pray for a negative finding. We can pray for wisdom in the situation. We can pray about someone's salvation, that their eyes would be made open, that their spirit would be made ready. We can pray for the people on our street. And this is a great thing to do as you walk through your neighborhoods, to pray for your neighbors. I mean, first of all, get to know their names. And then begin to pray over them. You know? We can pray for the neighbor whose husband is no longer here. We can pray for the neighbor whose son is no longer here. We can pray for the one whose wife or husband isn't a believer. We can pray for our children, for their health and well-being, for their protection. We can pray God's favor on our children and grandchildren, that they would live their lives as Christ followers. We can pray about our marriages, that they would be strong and healthy. Leaders can pray about that which they are leading. Workers can pray about that which they are working on. Sellers can pray about that which they are selling. Players can play pray about that game they are playing. Coaches can pray over their teams. Doctors and nurses can pray over their patients. And teachers can pray over their students. God wants us to pray about anything and everything. God wants us to ask every day about our daily needs. God wants to supply our physical needs. Now, the Bible has both an Old Testament and a New Testament. In the Old Testament, the new is concealed, and in the New Testament, the old is revealed. But here we go. We're going to take this journey with you because this prayer has a reference to the Old Testament. It's found in 
Exodus chapter 16 and beginning in verse number 4. So let me try to set up to you the situation that Israel was dealing with. The nation of Israel was held in bondage. They were oppressed down in Egypt. And they cried out to God, and God heard their prayers and showed them compassion. He delivered them from their bondage. And when they left Egypt, they left with limited supplies. The bread had not leavened, and there was limited amounts of bread. So they came across the Red Sea. They were in now the wilderness, and they began to grumble about their situation. Have you ever grumbled about something? You have, haven't you? Well, the people did not know the nature of God. They did not know that God wanted to take care of them, right? But they were grumbling and murmuring and complaining. And this is the promise that God made to, um, to Moses. God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and every day and gather it. I see the condition of my people. I am the God who with an outstretched arm delivered my people. But now I will open my hand and take care of their needs. I'll rain down like a mighty shower bread upon my people. I will open up heaven's vault. I will pour down blessings on my people. I will show them my goodness, and I will take care of their physical needs. Let me ask you a question. Do you tend to grumble first or pray first? When faced with a situation, a situation of need, do you tend to grumble and complain first or pray first? The morning of the first airdrop, the manna came down from heaven in abundant supply. Our Father provided for them according to their needs. And the people, when they saw it, they said to each other, what is it? They did not know what it is, what it was, what it is, what it was. They just kind of saw this stuff that was laying on the ground, and they started saying, what is it? Now, if you ask the average person what does manna mean, they would say bread. But literally, the meaning of manna is what is it? Because the people, when they saw these flakes out of heaven, they said, what is it? Well, it was something like a cross between cornflakes and honey nut Cheerios. <laughs> because it was this grain, this multivitamin grain that God was providing that had flaky appearance to it, like a seed, but it also had a taste of honey, like honey nut Cheerios. And he gave enough of this to supply their needs. It says that when they measured it, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. The people went out early in the morning to gather the manna. A couple who had just gotten married, just the two in the household, would have gone out just to gather for themselves. Two omers was the measurement. But a husband and wife with six children, you know, a larger family, eight in their household, would have gathered up eight omers of food. God provided for them exactly what they needed. There was absolutely the perfect amount given to his children. They that gathered little did not have too little, did not have lack. 
and those who gathered much did not have surplus. What does this say to me? What does it say to us? We are to pray about the needs of our families. Somebody in our family is under great stress, and we pray that they might be resting in the sovereign care of God. My, um, I have four children, <clears throat> three grandchildren. Uh, my oldest son, Chris, as I said last week, was this week in Lebanon working with refugees and teaching ER and ICU doctors. This week he's traveling to Kenya to work there in a hospital and give the workers their relief. So I've been praying for God's protection and favor over Chris. My daughter, Betsy, I think is here today. She's been working long hours at the law firm and also trying to find balance in her life, just being able to leave at a good hour and reconnect with her family. My son, Jimmy, is facing huge challenges down in um, North Carolina. He's at Fort Bragg. Pray over Jimmy. He's beginning his training and his personal life. And my youngest son, Josh, he's playing soccer with a tear in his labrum, his hip flexor. Last year, um, his team was kind of contending for the national title. This year, they're kind of in a rebuilding mode. It's a very different setting for Josh. So they're kind of getting used to losing and tying games, and it's a new experience for his team. But, you know, you say your, your family has a financial need. You don't have enough to pay for college. God has really built my faith and his provision for my family through scholarships and other means for college. You know, Debbie and I didn't have a place to move to when we were just married, and we actually were driving back from where we went to school, and um, I placed a phone call to my mom saying, you know, we're coming home, and she said, I I think we have a place that we'd like you to move into. She had remarried, and the guy she married had a place, and and he said, we'd like to offer it to you. Now, I said, Mom, can I see it first? And Debbie and I were just reflecting on that. You know, we really didn't have a place. And I said, can I see it first? God was sort of opening his hand to us, you know, providing for us a place. I've seen his hand provide for our family with cars. Amazingly, cars given to us, cars at a really good deal. This God has supplied the needs of our family. God has been faithful to the needs of our family. And he wants us to pray over the needs in our family. Let's say you have a medical need, right? Will you pray every day for that bread from heaven that would meet that need? God wants us to pray. Let's say your children have an educational need. Will you pray for God to help meet that educational need for your kids? You pray to Him every day for their teachers, for the specialists, for the tutors, whatever it takes. Let's say that there's spiritual needs in your family. You know, one of your kids is having a tough time. They're being bullied. You pray for God's protection over that child, for their inner strength. Let's say you're a small business owner and you have 15 families working for you. Will you pray every day for God's provision for you and your employees and their families? for God providing for them, providing the manna from heaven. What I'm trying to say is that God wants us to pray every day about our needs, to bring our needs before the Father, to lay our needs before our good Father who wants to supply our needs. You see, God is a provider, 
And God wants to provide our needs, but he also wants us to pray, you see. Pray every day. So, Lord, give us this day our daily bread because God wants that regular interaction with his children. So I define here there's two parts to the equation. The first part is God's part. God will absolutely do what he has said he will do. He will keep his promise. There's God's part of providing abundantly for us. The psalmist said, I once was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging after bread. That God takes care of his own. Every day, God opened the windows of heaven and poured out manna for his people. He made provisions for his people. But guess what? There's man's part. There's God the provider, but people had to get up early and go and work for it, right? God takes care of the little birds, right? God is a provider. He takes care of the birds, but he does not drop a worm into the nest. God takes care of them, but they have to get up early and, you know, listen around and peck around and look for that worm, you know? The, the, wor- the bird has got to work for it. So man also has a responsibility to work. God honors hard work. God says you earn the bread you eat. And so the people were invited to go and gather up this bread and, you know, crush the manna and bake it into loaves of bread. It was a partnership between God the provider and man the worker, you see. God wants us to pray every day about our needs. God wants to provide for us our needs. There was a man and his wife, and they couldn't have children. Well, actually, they had one child together, but they wanted to have more children. So the little boy said, Daddy, I want to have a brother. And um, the dad said, well, honey, you need to pray about it because God opens the womb, and God can supply you a brother. So the first month he prayed, and nothing happened. And so he prayed a second month, and nothing happened. And prayed a third month, and nothing happened. The father said, son, I'd like you to go with me to the hospital. So they went to the hospital, and his wife had had triplets and said, here, son, here's your first brother and your second brother, and now your third brother. And he said, aren't you, pray- aren't you glad, dad, that I, that I pray? Aren't, aren't you glad, son, you prayed for your brothers? And, he, and the son said, aren't you glad, dad, I only prayed for three months? <laughs> Little joke. So um, give us this day our daily bread is the prayer, right? We begin to pray about our needs. Manna was a gift from a loving father that came down from heaven to satisfy the people's needs. Look at that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Remember these 40 years. Now Moses, this is one of Moses' last talks to the people. Moses himself would not go into the promised land. Moses would send the 12 spies, and two came back with faith, but 10 said, we can't go. Moses now reflecting on that experience of 40 years in the desert, one year for every one day that the spies were in the promised land, spying it out. He said, remember these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. You see, in their times of deprivation, God was testing what was in their heart. And God was their supply. God was their provider. 
whether you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and feeding you with manna, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He was teaching them to rely upon him. That's what God does with our physical needs. He teaches us to rely upon him. And then in Proverbs, look at this beautiful, beautiful prayer. The, the, the writer of Proverbs wrote, there's two things I want to ask of you, Lord. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but notice, give me only my daily bread. Now, you realize that on both ends of the spectrum, people will pray about the prosperity gospel, that if you pray about it, there's a prosperity that will come to you. And then on the other side of the equation, there's sort of the poverty gospel, expect nothing. What this prayer is not for prosperity or for poverty, it's a prayer for provision, that God might take care of me, giving me only my daily bread. He says, if I become rich, I may forget who you even are, God. And if I become poor, I may steal, right, and dishonor your name. So God, give me that which we need. Satisfy our physical needs. Give us our daily bread. So that is the Old Testament background to this story I'm going to bring you now that Jesus would teach us in John chapter 6 and verse 27. Jesus had done a mighty miracle. He had taken a little boy's five loaves and two fish, and he had multiplied them to feed a vast multitude. People were looking for Jesus, it says in John chapter 6 and verse 25, and said, Rabbi, when did you get here? He said, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw the miracle, the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Manna was God's provision for our needy people to meet their physical needs. And so now what God had done was he had seen the need of a vast multitude and he had multiplied those loaves, satisfying their physical needs. So the people were now looking to make Jesus their king. And so they asked the question, Jesus, you know, when did you get here? How did you get here? And Jesus said, it's, <laughs> it's not, you're not looking for me because I'm the king. You're looking at me because of I made bread. You see, the prophets predicted that the Messiah, the king, would come. And when the Messiah came, he would give sign miracles. Jesus had fed the multitude, which was a sign that he was king. It was a miracle, right? The sign was evidence that Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the King. But they missed the sign, you see. Have you ever missed a sign? You ever been kind of barreling down the highway and there's a sign and you missed the sign and you kind of sailed on by? Well, these people had a sign from God that Jesus was the King, but they missed the sign. And now Jesus says these words 
in verse 27. He said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus is saying, life is not about filling up your tank. Life is not about keeping your belly full. Life is not about getting bread. Life is not about your next meal. As satisfied as you'll be today with your lunch, probably tomorrow you'll be hungry again. Some of you here are foodies, right? Even Pastor Eric these days claims to be a foodie. Before he was married, he liked a good macaroni and cheese, but now he likes gourmet macaroni and cheese. When Jesus satisfied their hunger with bread, they imagined a king who could fill their bellies every day. Imagine that. This king could just multiply bread. So, Jesus, you did it once. Do it again. You know, multiply bread for us. You're the king. Perform for us a sign, a miracle. What didn't happen was they didn't go from the pleasure of a full belly to the treasure of the king. They did not acknowledge the fact that Jesus was Messiah. So Jesus says, don't work for the food that perishes. Work for the bread that endures forever. Jesus is the bread that endures forever. You know, kings and their kingdoms are all going to pass away. History would prove that the Egyptian kingdom came and passed away. The Assyrian kingdom came and passed away. The Babylonian kingdom under Nebuchadnezzar came and passed away. The Persian kingdom under Cyrus came and passed away. The Greek kingdom, the Roman kingdom with the Caesars came and passed away. But there was a prediction that there would become an eternal king with an eternal kingdom. And Jesus is that eternal king who brings the eternal kingdom. So they asked the question here. You see it in verse 28. They asked him, what must we do then to do the works that God requires? That's a great question. What are you asking for us to do in order to be in relationship with you? What is the work that you're asking mankind to do in order for us to know this great and awesome king? And this is what Jesus answered. The work of God is this, to believe in the Son he has sent. That Jesus is the king. He is infinitely valuable. He is satisfying to the soul. That he is beautiful and wonderful. He is the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, and He is everlasting. The work of God is truly this, to believe in the Son He has sent. <laughs> but they wouldn't give up. Look at verse 30. So they said, what miraculous sign will you do now that you will give that we may see and believe you? You see, their eyes were blinded to the reality. Their ears could not hear. Their hearts were hardened. What will you do? Our forefathers, you see it there, verse 31. Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. It is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
They were thinking now, according to their history, that their leader Moses had provided bread for them to eat. Remember when every morning they went out and they gathered up the bread, the manna. So Moses had this track record of being the one given credit for giving them bread to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I'm not making an argument now against Panera bread or Zippany because I love bread. I love sesame bagels. I love all kinds of bread. But every loaf of bread I've had today requires another loaf of bread tomorrow. This is the bread that truly satisfies the cravings of the soul. There's a hunger you have that I have that cannot be satisfied with bread. There's a thirst that you have that I have that cannot be satisfied with drink. Jesus now makes the first declaration of his divinity with an I am statement in verse number 35. And look, at, look with me, if you will, what he says. Sir, they said, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never thirst. This is the bread when we take him in. He comforts us in our pain. This is the bread that when we take him in, he strengthens us in our weakness. This is the bread when we take him in, he forgives us in our sin. This is the true bread that God gives to his children that lasts forever. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Just as bread is necessary for physical life, Jesus is necessary for eternal life. You can eat bread and be satisfied for a little while, or you can take in Jesus and endure forever. You know, some of you maybe grew up, and there in your kitchen was like a little loaf of bread, right? And it had like little cards in it. Do you remember this? Little cards with scripture verses. And the outside it said, our daily bread. Do you realize that you didn't have that? Okay. So there's like little ceramic thing, like a loaf of bread, right? And there's like these little cards. And it said, bread of life. And you could take those little cards out and you could read one. It's a little promise from God, right? Now that's a beautiful idea that you could take the truth of God and read it and breathe it in, internalize it, right? What Jesus is saying is, that I am the true bread of life. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who've been stressed out and anxious, have difficulty sleeping at night. And I've come to the conclusion why I know that they're worried, right? Just as Israel had manna on the ground, there's a worry about tomorrow. But what if I really believed in my inner being that Jesus is my true bread, and God's going to provide according to my needs tomorrow. A friend of mine had a son he'd adopted, and the son came from a 
underprivileged country. And it was so necessary for him to have cereal in the cupboard for the next day. If the child did not have cereal in the cupboard, he could not fall asleep. It's true also of the orphans in the Second World War without their moms and dads. If they had a loaf of bread they could clutch at night, they could fall asleep because when they woke up, they knew the security of a loaf of bread. What Jesus is saying is that I am the true bread, right? That you can take me in and I will give you exactly what you need. So God wants us to pray about our physical needs. Jesus is our supply for our spiritual need. But there's one last piece of this prayer I just want to mention. It is that we are to be generous with what God has given us. Because when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, what that saying is, if God has given me two loaves and my brother doesn't have a loaf, I'm to share the loaf that I don't need with the one who does need. This is evidenced to me by what you did when the cupboards were bare at the Middletown Food Bank. You supplied the need. They went from um, scarcity into provision. Jesus is better than a Krispy Kreme donut. Jesus is better than a glazed Dunkin' Donut. Jesus is better than a focaccia bread. Jesus is better than a pita with hummus. Jesus is better than a sesame bagel. Jesus is better than pumpernickel, which is my favorite kind of bread, rye bread, because Jesus is the true bread. And when you know the true bread, you know the satisfaction of your soul of God living inside of you. And you have the capacity now to be generous with God's amazing provision in our life. Pray with me, would you please? Father, here we are again on a Sunday morning hearing about this amazing prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. God, last night you gave us shelter over our heads. You gave us a bed on which to sleep. We came down in the kitchen and we found food that, God, you would open your hand to provide for us. And we just want to return thanks to you because you're a God who's so ever faithful, day after day providing for us, giving us the sunshine, the rain, making the fields to grow giving us the security of a land where there's food given in great supply, a food that can be distributed to our world and ways to help people without. We can even develop attunement, Lord, and attentiveness to those around us without food in their cupboards, inviting people over to our homes, being generous, seeing people in places without and offering to feed them. Father, would you give us this day our daily bread? We lift up to you our children and the needs that our children may have. They may be little children now, or they may be growing up, or they may already be grown. But we lift them up to you, Lord, because you invite us to come asking you, Lord, to give us our daily bread. Father, we want to be a generous people, so show us how to be. Help us to move from a scarcity mindset, an orphan's mindset, into that of a son or a daughter. 
whose Father so richly provides. Father, give us this day our daily bread, we pray in Jesus' name.